This is the Western Obsessions TV podcast, where hunting's not a hobby, it's an obsession. All right, guys, this is the Western Obsessions TV podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Belding, and uh, this podcast is brought to you by The Top Predator, a fitness archery challenge. Do you have what it takes to be the top predator? Online sales or entry fees are... Um, registration is open now at thetoppredator.com. All right, guys. Uh, welcome to the Western Obsessions TV podcast. Again, I'm Kurt Belding. I've got a guest today, Mr. Gil Cordova. He is my taxidermist, and we're going to talk about some taxidermy stuff and whatever else we get into. So, Gil, what's going on, man? How are you? How you doing? I'm good. I see you got uh, – you're, you're in your shop right now, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see a rug, a skin on the, on the back wall. What is that? Is that a bear? Tar. Himalayan tar rug. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's on the bucket list. There you go, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, let's talk some taxidermy today, man. I definitely want to give some value to anybody watching about, uh, you know, to learn a little bit more about taxidermy, what what it entails. Maybe some things that, like, they can do out in the field to help. Because I know, like, I've definitely messed up some capes in the past, not doing things right, not skinning things right. So, um. But yeah, man, but wherever this, wherever we go with this, we go with it. I know like we like to ramble a lot, man. We did some podcasts over the weekend. This was this yeah. last weekend, right? At the Sportsman Expo. Yeah, that was fun, man. I, we, I think we had, like said we had some great conversations this week. We met some good people too. People I didn't know. Yeah. I, I think podcasts are just a great way to get to know someone, man. You spend an hour just chatting with them. Like this is a better than any in-person meeting or Anything else you can do besides maybe go have some beers with somebody? We should be having yeah. beers right now. I mean, we could do it right now. I can't. I'm on a diet, remember? Oh, that's right. I put it. I gave you a diet. <laughs> yeah. No, I can I have one or two, but no. I'm just, you got to get your taxidermy stuff. You know, you already know the story behind but, my taxidermy. But listeners might not know the story. How'd you get into taxidermy? Tell them. Tell the listeners. It's just bad taxidermy. You know, I, I pay attention to detail when we're out hunting, you know. Ever since I was a kid, you shoot an animal and I would look at the way the eyes were and a nose. And I've always was interested in the taxidermy. And just seeing tax, I mean, you go to Cabela's, some of that taxidermy over there is horrible. Go to these places. Yeah, just, it's old. Maybe some of it's old and just bad tanning, bad forms. You know, it's just old stuff. So that, I mean, I got into it because I wanted to do good taxidermy, you know, and we we hunt so much with my dad, my grandpa, my kids. My grandpa's passed away now, but that's where I learned with, with them guys. But just I don't know. I, I always like the art about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Wanted to to give it to other people, give people nice nice memory back because there's nothing worse I think than you know having all that high from the the hunt mm-hmm. and then taking it to a taxidermist and then getting it back and being disappointed. You know that's. I've done, I've been there. So yeah. <laughs> I wanted to start a business myself, you know, I tried to do the best job I could and it's, it's been great. It's been successful, super busy. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I would say you're one of the top taxidermists in Colorado and that's why I bring my stuff to you. Um, but you know, basically, so basically what you're saying is man is like from you seeing a bunch of bad taxidermy, mm-hmm. you, you decide you wanted to start your own business in doing taxidermy. How did you get your start though? You don't just like one day rent a building and start doing taxidermy. No. You, have to, you have to learn how to do that, right? 
<clears throat> yeah, so actually, I was going to go to school to do taxidermy, and it, it was really expensive at the time. So I, I started calling taxidermists around in town, and Bill Huber, I, you might have met Bill Huber. Maybe. He, um, he told me, sure, you know, come down, and I'm not going to teach you for free, but you're going to pay for an elk hide and a form and, you know, get a set of horns, which I, I got a set of horns from a friend, friend of mine that had an elk ranch. And uh, he says, you'll pay me what it cost me to do this mount. And I said, okay. I mean, that was what maybe back then 700 bucks, 800 bucks, mm -hmm. what it cost me to learn. And after that, I, mean, I was going over every week, we we're doing different animals and that's where I learned the basics of it. And then from there, um, a good friend of mine, Dave Mast, and then my best, one of my best friends, Angus Timmons. So we all shared a shop together and those guys had a lot more experience than me. And I learned a lot from them. And then from there, I started getting a lot more clients, you know, I had good, uh, good friends passing on the word. Uh, my cousin at no limit archery, Phil, you know, that was a big help because he knows everybody there. And I started getting a lot of their clients and then their clients were passing on their clients. And before you know it, it's where we are today. You know, we have, a, we have a good name. Of course, everybody has those clients that we can never please, you know, <laughs> but that's just part of the business. But, you know, all in all, it's, it's been awesome. I, I was actually a, into computer networking and we have a construction company. So I got rid of doing all that stuff to do this. So you, you quit a construction job, computer networking construction job. Is that what you said? Well, no, I was doing computer networking for a while. Okay. And then, no, but we, we own a construction company, my dad and the family. Oh, yeah. So, but I'm glad I don't do that no more. Yeah. I, yeah. I grew up doing some construction. My dad uh, did a lot of roofing and siding, just more all residential stuff, but I grew up yeah. doing it and I, uh, it, it's very hard work, man. I mean, it's, it's rewarding work because you can see what you've accomplished, but yeah, I, I'm glad I don't do that anymore. Also, I miss it. <laughs> summer. I do. I miss it in the summer a little bit being out there with the guys and, Mm -hmm. pouring some concrete and watch my dad yell at us and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So from there, I mean, and I, I, I've been trying to donate a lot, you know, we donate to the division of wildlife programs. I donate to the, to the veterans. Um, actually Sean Sanders and them guys are coming down tomorrow from the Bailey Rocky mountain elk foundation. We're going to donate to them. Um, but I'd, I'd like to give back a lot with what we're doing, you know, it's good, man. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's important, especially as you reach success, it's important to give back and help other people, whether it be donating a, you know, a head or some taxidermy work here or yeah. doing one for free for someone or whatever, how, or whatever you're doing to do. I know you do a lot of stuff of like taking people hunting and stuff like that. And we'll definitely get into that. Um, but that's really good stuff. But you know, I think a lot of hunters may be watching this and, and me as a hunter, I think I would like to know maybe some good tips of things that we can do in the field to help you as our taxidermist. One, so we're not screwing anything up, but yeah. two, to, to help you to be able to do things better with the hide or, or what else, man? What's some good tips that we can do in the field? You know, the best thing is like when you're, let's just use a deer as an example. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the back of the deer right here has two different hairs right okay yeah the colored and the, the dark and the white hair mm -hmm. so you always come up the back start at the elbow 
come up that seam, you know, well, not the elbow, but you know what I'm talking about. There's a joint down here. You yeah. come up to its elbow, I guess it'd be called. Once you get there, then you start heading straight back toward the butt area. Mod hunters, where they mess up is they, they come up the front leg and then they, they, they take out all this underarm stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that's why we call it a short cape and we can't use it because all the underarm hair is gone. Oh, so like they go up right up the armpit. Exactly. Yeah, they go to the armpit of the deer so they, they cut out too much of the high. Yep. Yeah. So if you come up the back of the leg, come to the elbow and then head straight towards the butt. Then what you do is you come from the back of the skull straight down the back mm-hmm. and it goes to like, I like to say the last rib and come around to meet up to the one that you went straight back to the butt and then everything will peel forward okay. and then take it to the very back of the skull. And you know, you can get your knife in there and twist the head off. You know, if you don't feel comfortable caping it out, you know, the best thing to do is keep it cool. Treat it like um, just like your meat. This way, when you can get it to us, if you can find a local butcher over there, wherever you're hunting, that w- could freeze it for you in the in the time being. You know, like places like like Brothers used to do that for people, AGP and Craig. You leave them there and they're cooler until you're done hunting because maybe you killed the deer on the first day and you're still hunting elk. You know, a lot of people, they'll do it for free or give them a tip or something. Right. So, so that's a deer you would recommend the same process on an elk or antelope or anything, yeah. right? Yeah. And any, any antlered species, horn species, you know? Yeah. No what, if you want to do, what if you want to do like a full body mount? Like, what do you do with that? Then you just go all the way down the back of the, like if it, on the antlered stuff, you know, you go all the way down the back from the, the skull all the way down to the tail and yeah. then just start pulling everything out. You'd go up each leg, the back of each leg, up as far as you can to tube it out and pull them out. Cause you can break the legs off at the joint mm-hmm. and pull everything off that way. So tube the legs don't cut up the backside of the legs. Yeah. You can come up the backside of the legs just to the elbow Yeah, to where you get there and cut that, you know, skin around, break the knuckle off down here at the, the, the hoof part. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you know how you cut up in here and you break the legs off. Uh-huh. You do that. Then you could, pull your hide over the broken leg now you see what i'm saying yeah, yeah you'll pop it right out that tube exactly yeah yep All and right. i think I, I you know we're i don't know if we talked about this while you were there at the show or not but we're talking about making a video for skinning put yeah. up on the website i think that would be super important that way one people don't have to go find a different hide because they messed up their hide and yeah. they you know like it kind of sucks messing up a hide because it's not your actual animal's hide, you know, so it's yeah, not yeah. as a, that, you know, it's still, still fine, but you don't get that nostalgia of like, that is the animal's hide that you'd shot or whatever. Right. Yeah. I think it takes a couple of times of messing one up for the person to really take their time. And, you know, even after the first time of messing one up, they'll, they'll do a better job the next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a lot of things you can't control too, with like antelope season early, early bear seasons when it's really hot, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as, as soon as that animal is dead, you need to get it cool, cool down. We yeah. lose a lot of antelope throughout the year that go bad. You lose a lot of hides because they yeah. get, too, get too warm. Yep. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of guys, you know, they'll kill the antelope, throw it in the back of the truck, drive around for six hours looking for another one, you know, yeah. so. They go bad that quick, huh? Six hours and that hide could be bad. Oh, if it's hot, yeah, that antelope can go bad. The meat could go bad on an antelope that fast. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize the hiding would go that go bad that fast too. Yeah. It's good to know. So what about like, um, what about the skull? I know like one, I, I don't, uh, man, it takes so much time and energy to cape out the skull of an animal. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of times I'll just break the head off and bring back the whole skull with the cape still on it and yeah. let you guys do that. What do you guys feel about that? That's how we prefer it. If the guy doesn't know what he's doing. Cause if you start putting more holes and giving it extra eyeballs back here, you know, <laughs> but, uh, Again, that's that's some education stuff we would like to to do this year. We wanted to do it last year, but we got too busy right away. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, you know, maybe I can go out to one of the outfitters, shoot a ram, shoot something, and then bring it back, freeze it for a couple of days, and then have a seminar here if we wants to learn how to cape something off a head. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be really helpful, man. Is like, so. It's for sure a video that you could put on your website where people can go there and learn how to field dress and cape, you know, in the field. You might be, you know, backpacking in you know, mm-hmm. without a lot of resources and it's on the ground and you have to learn how to, to do that so you don't mess it up. Or Well, there's a lot of high country hunters now, wilderness hunters out there, mm-hmm. you know, guys that are going to do like your top predator challenge. Those, a lot of those guys are going to be way back there. So it's probably helpful for them to know how to cape, cape it off the head, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we'll actually get to hide off the skull and yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, any other, what do you think, man? Any other pointers and tips you can think that for someone in the field? Just keeping it cool, you know? Yeah. Keep, treat, treat it like you're going to eat it. That's that's what all of us taxidermists say. Treat it like you're going to eat it and you'll be fine. So what about like dirt and leaves and sticks and crap? You know, I mean on the outside it's it's okay because you're dragging it sometimes and mm-hmm. try to keep it clean on the inside you don't want that to rot get bacteria you know keep the skin the skin when you fold it back up keep yep. it nice and cool okay. you know, don't, let it, don't let it dry out that's what's it's going to help not to dry out the, the membrane underneath that's a good point too mm-hmm. you know fold it up skin to skin so it stays cool you say clean yeah. doesn't dry out there you go yeah. guys that's a pretty good gym right there from gill so, so what, like, um, you say you got into this industry because you're tired of bad taxidermy. What makes taxidermy bad or what makes it good? What do you think? Lack of effort. I think okay. a lot of it, lack of effort, lack of wanting to learn more. A lot of the taxidermists, you know, I've met over the years, especially the older guys now, you know, they're, they're stuck in their ways. And actually a good friend of mine's a taxidermist, Mike Skeeter's. He told me he went to a show and it, this is what hit him is the judge told him you need to grow with the times. And that's what I do. I like to, uh, I like to try different stuff, different forms, like your access deer, you know, mm-hmm. something different, something artistic, you know, um, you know, and a lot of it too, man, is just rushing through stuff. Person takes their time and goes back and, and checks the animal, then, you know, most likely it's going to come out great. You yeah, have to have an eye for it too, you know. You can't just, not everybody can just be a taxidermist. Right. It's like an artist. Like, not everyone can be an artist. The same thing, yeah. not everyone can be a taxidermist. Because I believe really good taxidermy, you are an artist. Like, you got to have the vision. You got to have the skill. You got to have the know-how. And put all that together and make a really cool piece. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, like... 
I hear eyes are a big thing. That's a big indifferentiator. (laughs) They are. Yeah. 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 You know, that's, this is how I, you know, everybody says, Hey, you need to look at live reference, live reference, live reference. But if you look at a a live animal, sometimes they're ugly, you know, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So uh, I like where I learned a lot of getting better was I would look up different taxidermists on the internet of who I liked and tried to mimic their eyes, mimic how they did their noses, the colors and stuff that I thought I would love to hang on my wall. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how I, that's really how I taught myself. Same thing with fish. You know, I took a couple of lessons um, with fish and same thing, just close your eyes and see how you see it. After you pull it out of the water, that's how I try to paint them too. You know, I don't know. It, yeah. Well, how, okay, you're, we're talking about the uh, older guys kind of stuck in their ways. How has yeah. taxidermy evolved over the years? What are like the new techniques or new materials or whatever? Just the forms, the stuff that we have now is so much better than the old guys had in the day, you know? The stuff they had was the best they could they could do. I mean, we got computers now that could 3D print something, you know? Yeah. Did you use like a 3D print of a form? That would be that's cool. what the, I, I think that's how I mean some sculptors sculpt them by hand, you know, right off the skull. But uh it's just everything's just you know how it is. Everything evolves like basketball players nowadays whoop on the basketball players from the 70s. It's just because everything is evolving. Yeah. Just so much more better shoes, right? <laughs> well, that's a big part of it, better equipment, right? Yeah. So so better forms, any other material that is like upgraded and oh upgraded? yeah, better, better eyeballs. You know, better mm-hmm. ear liners, the adhesives are better. Everything's just better. The epoxies, yeah. You know, paints that you have, airbrushes. You know, the tools are there for anybody to that wants to learn to be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of those like really old mounts that I don't know if it was like the hide finally kind of giving or whatever, but it just looks absolutely terrible. Tanning. Think- that was the old tanning probably is that was that what it is those really old mounts that just look terrible. yeah and then they they're in places sometimes that will get hot and cold and hot and cold and hot and those hides will rehydrate and they'll dry and rehydrate and dry you know that's why i tell people don't put their mounts in their garage you know you put it in the garage it's going to get warm and cold warm and cold and before you know it's going to look bad yeah that's a good point man <laughs> i'll yeah. take all, all my garage mounts out right better now. get them out i see room back there yeah you, most of these back here i think well, you've done at least one of them over here. I got another one. Yeah. I can't see that you've done. So, yeah. 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 I just, I've seen some of those old and even like the antlers of like discolored and like, is, can yeah. you save those? I'm obviously you can get a new hide, new form, new hide. Maybe yeah. Just take the antlers out. off and just redo it. We do a lot of that refurbished stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I got that. I don't know if you can see in the background, this deer right over here. It needs to be redone on it. Yeah. You can tell, huh? yeah he was done a long time ago man so and it was kind of a favor for me for the guy to do it so it didn't turn out that great but but i still i I like taxidermy like that man some of my buddies have some of the first stuff i've done for them Mm -hmm. then they have the recent stuff i've done from and every time i go in their house man i just do cringe oh yeah dude My friend has one of the very first mounts I've ever did. And I look at it and I'm just like, dude, that thing's scary looking, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as you, as you continue to do stuff, you get better. Like I was actually uploading some episodes to uh, uh, carbon TV today and yeah. I'm looking through all my old episodes and I'm like, Oh my God, I filmed this so bad. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just get better as you do stuff, you know, no, sort of filming yeah. and being, a, being an artist like you are, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, a lot of it, it's learning every day down from, the taxidermy learning how to be better with the business too. You know, there's a lot of stuff I learn every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The business side of taxidermy too. So here's where I think it's, uh, yeah, you got, not only do you have to make good artwork, but you also have to be a good business person to run a taxidermy shop or even like the taxidermist doing it out of their garage. Cause that's probably the majority of taxidermists that you see do it out of their garage in their part time and their spare time. There's not a lot of, a lot of guys that do it full time like you do. Is that correct or am I way off? Not anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's a hard business because everybody wants their stuff back perfect, but they also want their stuff back tomorrow. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's impossible. You can't do both. You know, we have just some of the same customers call every single day for the same thing. And it's like, I have to let them know, well, if you want something nice back, you got to be patient, you know? Tax taxidermy is one of the things is you got to be patient. And then with the way times are now getting materials and getting the stuff you need to complete it, it's, you know, it's, it's hard. It's going to be a little bit longer for everybody. Yeah. But, uh, well, let's, let's explain that to people that maybe have not experienced taxidermy stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching this is that's one of the biggest things like, God, why does it take so long? I know some taxidermists, it's like two, almost three years before you get your stuff back. Yeah. You do a really good job, man. on getting most stuff back within a year or year and a half, I would say. Yeah. We try to do it faster, but again, you know, this last year, we usually, you know, we have our timeframes that we're pretty close with, mm-hmm. but dude, the, there was double the hunters this year. And it was just like everybody, all the tax rooms got overwhelmed with skulls. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a lot of shoulder mounts like usual, but a lot of skulls and when you say skulls, do you mean like European mounts? European, European mounts, yeah. Yeah. Which are so if for someone that not uh, may not understand that is watching us, it's when you either boil off all the meat off the skull or you have beetles eat the meat yes. basically, right? And you yeah. get get just the bone of the skull and the holes and the and the horns on it. Yeah, and see we like the beetle ours because they come out so much nicer that way. Well, that's one of my questions I had down is what's the difference? And we'll jump, I'll ask this question, then we'll jump back in the other question that we're talking sure. about. But what's the difference between the beetle and the boil, and why, why does one turn out better than the other? Yeah, the beetles just, they clean all, everything, you know, down to the bone, of course. So, so does boiling. But you get all your uh, nasal cavities, you get all the detail, you know. They're a little bit more work, though, you know. Then now we got to degree some, you know, for multiple days. Um, it's not just like the beetles let's whiten it and you're done and that's what some guys think well you know it's just just a skull it's that easy it's really not not to get them back nice you know mm-hmm. um and then boiling you know you're boiling it in the own grease so later on then boiled skulls if not degreased properly also are going to have grease coming out through the head the nose you ever heard somebody say i you know, that thing used to be white, but now it's starting to turn yellow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it was probably boiled, you know, and we do boils for customers that are really wanting them back impatiently, you know, 
Yeah. But it's not the best thing. We, we like to beetle them, make okay. them white, make them nice. So what you're saying is the beetle can pick that bone clean more efficiently. So you get all your little navel exactly. cavity bones back and boiling. You may lose a little bit of that is what you're saying. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then e- either way. Great, man. Some of them come out great. Some of the boils we do, we take our time on them still too, mm-hmm. you know, but for the impatient customer, that's the best way to go. Yeah. Just boil it from. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's a messy job too, man. It I've is. done a couple of myself and I don't, it is absolutely worth the money for me to drop that off with you and say, give me a euro, man. I don't want to do it yeah. myself ever again. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's time consuming. Mm-hmm. It's really time consuming. And now with as many hunters there as in Colorado hunting, yeah, you know, all those tax terms are going to be, you know, overflowing with them schools. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of people go to a Euro mount is, is it's less, it's cost effective for them. It doesn't cost quite as much yeah. um, to do a Euro mount rather than like a, a big shoulder mount or something like that. Nicer, mm-hmm. you know, but um, all right. Let, before I start jumping on to too many different questions, let me, the question that I had asked was different between beetle and the boil beetles cleaner than the boil. Sometimes you lose a little bit on the boil, but e- either way, both of them are, you got to degrease both of them. They're yeah, both skulls, <laughs> you know, it yeah. depends what you want to do with it. You know, if you're just going to throw it in your garage and look at the antlers every time you pull in, you know, a boil's okay to go with. Yeah. But you, you got to, you got to degrease both of them. We degrease both of them. Yeah. Yeah. We do a peroxide boil grease with the grease with the boil stuff. Yeah. 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 So either way, it's a good, it's a good, um, good way to go. Um, okay. Here's my thought is let's say that, you know, you killed something super proud of it. You want to re- re- preserve that memory and maybe you just don't feel like you have the, um, the amount of money at the time to get like a real nice mount done. So people, a lot yeah. of people will do a Euro. Oh, I, don't, I can't afford a big mount. We can't afford $1,500, maybe two grand for a pedestal or whatever. I'm going to just Euro it. My thought is like, why not drop it off and say, hey, I want to do it up big and let me make payments to you. Because I know once you, because yeah. you have to put a down payment down and then it takes a long time for you guys to do it. it. takes, you know, over that year, year and a half, you're making payments. Why not? Why don't guys do that? I don't know. You know, they, they, they're all excited when they come off the mountain. Um, you know, the, the worst one is the one who spends the money on the hunt. Yeah. You know, they come down the mountain and that's when they're like, ah, oh, you know, I don't have enough money to do it. It's the guy that comes off the mountain that didn't spend any money that excited they want to do it. But we offered, we offered people to do payments all the time. You know, it's just, I think it's just the moment when they bring it in, you know, if they're over at meat cleaver, they just mm-hmm. brought it and everybody's looking at it and, they know I'm across the street. Yeah, they come and just drop it off right away. Mm-hmm. You know, but the longer somebody sits on something, there's a lot of guys that freeze them saying, oh, I'll mount it later. Mm-hmm. And I have them, there, well, I've had this in my freezer for two years, you know, now I decided I want to mount it, you know. What's the difference? I mean, is that still okay to mount after sitting in the freezer? Like yeah, that? as long as it doesn't get freeze-dried the years and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it, it, you know, we're we're pretty lenient with most people, you know, the they need a couple of weeks to put some money down and stuff. But at the same time, we're a business too, that we have multiple employees here. So we have to. Oh yeah, for sure. Awesome. Run the business. But well, I know like the heads that I've dropped off, it's you put down a deposit on it 
and then you pay for the rest when it's done. So, yeah. you know, someone had enough money to put down the deposit, but maybe didn't have enough money to finish the rest of it. Well, just, you know, put a couple hundred bucks away each month or give it to you. You know, yeah. here's, here's 300 bucks every month and uh, you'll be able to do that life size or the, the cool mount with a pedestal, you know, not have to Euro it. Cause the last thing you want to do, man, is like 10 years from now, I was like, God, I, I have money now. I wish I would have done a life size or a nice pedestal on this animal that I, that I got, you know? I know. Yeah. We get a lot of those, man. I wish I would have just mounted it. Mm -hmm. That's why I say, well, I got a cape. We can always mount it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess if you got the skull and the horns, you could always throw it on a form and, and get, have a cape, right? So you yeah. still get it mounted. Yeah. So, all right. So people that are not are super versed with um, taxidermy, why does it take so long? Why does it take at least a year to get taxidermy back? Well, the process starts with, we got skin it, flesh it, salt it, right? And then once it leaves our hands, it goes to the tannery, you know, the, the way of putting it without sounding harsh is, is there's a lot of customers. So it just goes in line. If I could tan it myself that day and mount it the next day, it'd be done in a couple of days. But it, what it is, is you got a hunting season. And during that hunting season, you know, usually at that time, your skin and flesh and salting per season. And then you're sending stuff to the tannery, you know, a month later, a month and a half later. And when the tannery checks it in, you know, they, they have more customers than just us, you know, and it, it's just a big process. Right. You know, that's why it takes usually, usually it takes four to six months to get your stuff back from the tannery. Um, you know, due to COVID messing everything up, you know, feel bad. A lot of the tanneries lost a lot of help and they were a year and a half behind. I mean, we're, there's some people who haven't still got their stuff in tanning yet. You know, it's just because of the way of the world right now, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and then, then once you get it back, you rehydrate the Cape, get it measured. Now you got to order the form. Sometimes the forms in stock, sometimes it's not. So that's why it's usually a good to say about a year out yeah. on stuff, you know? So if, if you had one animal, right, mm -hmm. if I brought an animal that you had no one else, no one else in line and you could tan it yourself, you could skin it, flesh it. When, and when we say flesh, it means we take all, you guys take all the fat and, and uh, meat off the hide, make sure that's, and then you salt it. How long does it take to, to tan? Like you tan that in a day? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm finding how to tan it. I mean, you could tan it. It'd take you probably... I don't know how long it takes in the pickle and all that stuff. I would just say a good couple of weeks you can have one done for somebody. Okay. So it takes a couple of weeks to tan. Uh, well, that, well I mean, just the whole process. Whole process. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm just trying to ha let people understand the process of this. Because, like, if someone's never uh, done taxidermy before, they drop off their animal, like, cool, I want this mounted. And they say, oh okay, it should be, you know, a year, year and a half before like, holy cow, a year. I won't see this thing for a year. Like that could be a shock to some people that doesn't, un don't understand, don't know it. So just to yeah. know the process better, I think would help people. Well, and that's, that's what, why I said the European mounts are the toughest one because, you know, people say, oh, well, it's just a skull. Why can't I get it back in a couple of days or a week? Well, sure we can, we could boil it for you. But if you're going to do the beetle route, you know, with 800, 800 skulls in front of you, you know, that's, that's why it tax for me. It's just a, how many people are in front of you. Yeah. You know, the first guys can get his stuff back quicker, but we see, we do our stuff in batches. 
we don't we won't do just one at a time or else we'll never finish them mm -hmm. you know yeah you guys flesh you you salt and flesh for the season and then you send batches off to the taxidermy when you get those back then you uh rehydrate the hide so you can measure yeah. the hide and yep. once you measure the hide then you order the form for it because you, you, yep. you can't order the form before you measure it right because yep. you yeah okay. yeah and then the ones you're not working on go back in the freezer until you're ready to to work on the next one you know mm -hmm. yeah so there you go guys that is why taxidermy takes so long yep. it's really not the process so much it's more of there's a lot of people getting taxidermy work done yeah be nice <laughs> to your taxidermy yes they be really nice to your taxidermy no. yeah it's not that they're lazy and they don't work hard and they forgot about your sh shit and lost your stuff, which I mean, I'm sure that I've had people call me. Yeah. I'm just checking the, on my mount just to make sure you guys still have it. Like, well, what would I have done with it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Especially hides, man. So. Yeah. Well, they just, that's just people that don't know the process, man. And I understand, you know, like it's a long process. You want it back because you're, you're so anxious to have that animal back and put yeah. it up and showcase it and show it off. You know, that like, you know, as a hunter, I have patience with my customers because I know the feeling, mm -hmm. you know, it's just after phone call, you know, and then you try to let them know, Hey, we'll call you when it's done. And then they, they call again two days later and then two days later and two days later. That's the, those are the guys that you guys be nice to your taxidermist. I'm telling yeah. you. Do you, I'm not saying that you do this, but do you think this happens if someone keeps calling? And I know the guy, this guy or girl that's calling is like, I'm going to keep calling until these guys do my stuff to rush that ahead. Do you think taxidermists say, fine, they grab it and just throw it together real quick and say, here yeah. you go. Yep. And it doesn't, doesn't turn out as good yep. as they probably should, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. That's what happens is they get rushed and, and here, I just need to get this guy out of here because he's going to keep bugging us. And mm -hmm. it's best just to be patient. You know, you're going to get a better mount when you're patient. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you guys just did that access to for me. And it looks awesome, by the way. I, and you guys, I didn't call one time to say, Gil, where's my stuff at? I know. <laughs> I've done it before, though. I'm, I was that guy before. I know. I know how it is. That's why I can understand, man. You know, that side of it. Yeah. Me. I mean, it's with anything. I meant, you're not going to go to the meat cleaver and rush them to rush and rush them to get your meat done, especially if you're going to eat it. Right. Right. Well, Who knows what they're going to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, yeah, you go out to dinner. You want garlic, and... you want garlic in there? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you go out to dinner and order a burger and, and you're yelling yeah. at the kitchen staff to get that burger done. Well, they're going to spit in your burger. Don't let your yeah. taxidermist spit in your, spit in your hide. All right. <laughs> Put some <boogers> in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. So in mounting, I know we could jump off on other topics, man. I just got a lot of questions about taxidermy. Sure. You can keep asking. What is, uh, what's your favorite mount to do? Oh my gosh. Let's see. I like mounting lions, uh, big mule deer, big white tails. Yeah. Why is I, like, I like elk too, but not I, the lions just cause trying to make it look like a cat. That could do it, yeah. Yeah, that's hard to do. I've seen some bad cats, mainly bobcats yeah. that look like cartoon characters. Cross-eyed. Yeah, <laughs> cross-eyed. They literally look like a cartoon character. I'm like, ooh, man. Oh, that, that's cat. the taxidermist that doesn't study the anatomy of it. You know, mm. you know, bobcats' eyes are actually in like that and canted out. So if you do it that way, they won't be cross-eyed. But if you just set them in there straight up, 
I'll be cross-eyed. Because <laughs> their pupils are up and down, just like that. Right. Yeah. Right. See, guys. All right. Here, this goes. I'm like, I'm not. Wait, I'm not going to jump to the next question because I've been jumping around so damn much, man. All right. Anyway, you like the cats. You like the big white tail. You like big mule deer. Why big white tail? But why big mule deer? I don't know, man. They just look nice, bro. They look cool, I, huh? You know, white tail is probably my favorite to do. Everyone's different. Carrying a white tail cape that looks the same. Um, all the all the antlers are way different than each other usually. They're just different, and then hunting them, they're just that species that's they're weird animal, bro. You know what I'm talking about. They're not like hunting mule deer. You know, they're they're kind of that elusive ghost all the time. You know, when you're hunting whitetail. Yeah. Here, okay. Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing that I, I realize now living in the western part of the United States and here in Colorado. I grew up in Nebraska hunting whitetail since I was a kid. Yeah. So when I moved out here west, all I wanted to do was hunt elk and mule deer and everything that this had to offer out here. And mm. I could care less about whitetail anymore, man. But like you guys really? that, live, that grew up uh, here in the mid are in the western part and you guys grew up elk hunting and mule deer, like you guys are crazy yeah. about whitetail hunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know. That's how it happens with me when I hunt mule deer sometimes. Yeah. You know, I like, if you're in a good unit and there's a chance for a big buck, then it's awesome. Mm -hmm. But, you know, white tail, you never know what you're going to see. Yeah, that's true, especially in the rut. Because those big guys, man, you won't see those big bucks all year long. They'll stay nocturnal or like they're in a hole that they're just living in come rut man they're running all over the place and you, you can see a big deer but but um but yeah i don't know man i just grew up hunting them so i was like whatever i know i big white tails big white tail whatever they're all kind of the same to me but a big yeah. muley man with a big old wide spread real thick 200 inch mule deer or elk like standing there watching you yeah yeah big yeah. old 350 pound body you know i think that's super cool but yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, what makes or not? I love, how if if you're out there and you kill something, right? Okay. And you've not researched a taxidermist. What would you do to find a good taxidermist? What is the the, the telltale signs of like? Oh, don't go to him because of those things. You know, mainly like the hunting forum stuff. You know, I, I would ask there. I wouldn't go to somebody's and look up taxidermists and then read all their stuff because like I said, people are hard to please. Mm-hmm. It's just like going to a restaurant, you know? Um, I would advise people just to go into the shop beforehand. If you can, that's the best way. I mean, but if you don't know a taxidermist, ask around, man, there's plenty of friends out there that plenty of people online, you know, that have good experiences with people. Yeah. So basically just ask around and, and go into the shop see some of the work they've done and make sure you like it. Right? Yeah. That's what I would do, you know, cause and there's so many, there is some good taxidermists out there. There's a lot of fly by nights too. Um, the, the main thing is if they're cheap, that's where I stay away. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get good taxidermy for cheap. And if that's the type of guy you want to be is, Oh, I don't want to pay a lot for a mount. Then I, you, I wouldn't even spend the money to mount it at that point. Right. You know, yeah, because you're going to get something back that's going to fall apart or just doesn't look right. Right. No, that's like a really good point, man, because I'm frugal. 
you know, just like a lot of people are super frugal. So when you're looking around for a taxidermist and you're like, all right, this guy said he'll do a shoulder, a deer shoulder mount for me for $600. But this guy says it's 800, 850 or whatever. I, mean, I should just go with the, the $600 guy. But like, people don't understand and realize this. That's the amount you're going to have the rest of your life. Like, why not spend the extra couple hundred bucks to get it done nice? And you got to think about it too, but the cheaper guy is going to find cheaper material. You know, he's going to find a, a, try to find the cheapest form he can, cheapest eyes, cheapest adhesives, so he can make money at that cheaper rate. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. know, us, we use the best glue. You know, we, we try to use the best eyes that we like. I won't go get the most expensive eyes because you can't it, to me, that's just for detail work, you know, um, like your elk, your elk has the expensive eyes, like something like that, of course, but you know, the standard shoulder mount, we put really nice eyes in them. Uh, good, good ear liners. The, the tanning is good. Um, that's what a quality tax service is going to do for you. You know? Yeah. So basically, the cheaper guy is going to find all the cheaper material to be able yes. to make money and, and then it's going to fall apart and then it's not going to look as good because of the cheapest eyes, the cheapest ears, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, we, we get a lot of uh, fixes over here. You know, people bring stuff in, even stuff that they just picked up, you know, and like I said, they got that disappointed feeling. Mm-hmm. And then they come right through our door. We just got this done. It looks horrible. Can you remount it? You know, it's like, well, didn't you do your research beforehand? Yeah. You know. Well, I understand, man. You know, if you don't know much about taxidermy and you've never been there, you've never taken a, a head in. It's it's I'm price shopping. I don't know what's good and what's not. Like, you know, if you saw me, you know, ten years ago, whatever. If I looked at a couple mounts, one may look a little bit weird to me. And the other one looks okay. I don't know, like, oh, those eyes are better than those, or like he did better with this. I had no clue, right? Until I started hanging out with you a little bit in the taxidermy yeah. shop to really know the difference. So, like, the, your average consumer, your average person doesn't really know the difference. So, so guys, if you're listening, you don't know the difference. I get it. Just go to the guy that's not the cheapest. Maybe not go to the guy that's most expensive. Find yeah. the guy in the middle and and make sure you get some references too. Yeah, and see, we're a commercial shop, so we we're trying to we're catering more to the working man, you know, the middle middle of the ground. We're not cheap, but we're not super expensive, because here in Denver we got a little bit of everybody. We have people who can afford it. We have people who can't afford it, you know. So I try to I try to keep to where everybody has a chance to be able to, you know, afford it because, man, there's. You, you start looking around the United States at different, do it when we get off, just start pricing some tax for me all over the place. There's some super crazy prices. And that's what I think you, you better give somebody what they paid for at that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it better be gold lined. It better be gold. Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know right. but yeah, we're, we're that commercial side, you know, here, but if you, somebody wants a competition piece, I mean, of course, we'll give it to them, but competition piece, one deer will take you 30, 40 hours, you know, after, after, you know, mounting and babysitting and. What's the difference between your commercial piece and your competition piece? 40 hours. Just (laughs) way more time on it. Yeah. Pay attention to detail. 
Yeah. If we did that, we'd be out of business if we did that for every piece, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. So if anybody tells you they're giving you a competition piece for a commercial price, you they're know, full of shit, huh? They're full of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, ho- guys, hopefully we really covered that taxidermy piece. You want to talk anything else about taxidermy? I know you like, uh, you guys don't know this probably too well, but me and Gil become pretty good friends and we talk a lot yeah. of business stuff. So we can, th- we can, he has like an idea a week that he runs by me. Got like 20 different businesses going right now. <laughs> no, actually, the most exciting is one is the one we're working on now. So, look okay, at you want to talk about that, or you want to yeah. keep that secret for now? No, we could. I, I mean, everybody. Well, some of the people already know. I, I'm a Hanwag boot dealer. Mm-hmm. You know, here um, we're trying to take that to the next level. You know, with more apparel, more hunting outdoor stuff that we could supply our customers you know like the velvet lock stuff that uh i'm now a dealer for uh because i get so many phone calls before muzzleloader season archery season gil what do you need me to do with the velvet you know most time it's like shoot it and bring it to me like asap but i'm trying to make it easier on our hunters now we're going to have the velvet lock products that they can take out in the field spray it on the velvet make the hunter feel a little bit better while he's out there you know um same thing with the hide lock, same things in case they get scared of, they can't get it to a, a, a butcher shop to, to freeze it, you know. Um, also, I want to get into brand and apparel stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, you're, you're building a website for me now mm-hmm. where I want to start catering to the people I hang out with, that style of outdoor stuff, you know, backpacks, uh, knives, anything that we would need you know? Yeah. Yeah. So guys, so, uh, Gil's here local in Denver, Colorado. And if you go into his shop, he does have some Hanwag boots in his shop, but he -hmm. is building out a website that's going to be, uh, housing Hanwag boots, the new velvet stuff. You have some apparel, like a whole bunch, basically it's going to be like a a website for all outdoorsmen stuff that you're not going to find everywhere. So, yeah, like I said, the the biggest one I'm working on, I want to, See if we could be a Fial Raven dealer too. I love their cool. clothing. Yeah, their outdoor clothing's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some Western Obsession gear on there. There you go. Out of bounds gear. Yeah. Santino has. I thought I had that on. I had it on yesterday. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of one of the, the things I've been wanting to do is build an outdoor apparel store. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought now it's the time to do it. So will this store be mainly? Uh e-commerce store like uh, just a website or you don't have a bunch in your shop no we'll have some here i want to make focus on the website you know that's where i could drop ship it more to people out of my shop mm-hmm. you know have it here and send, send jill out jill go ship this go ship this go ship this you know yeah but uh no i um i want it to become successful to where i can have a storefront one day yeah you know and i you know what'd be cool i'm just kind of shooting from the hip here is like you keep that taxidermy theme and yeah. like, let's say it's five years down the road and you have a actual retail shop and you have a whole bunch of taxidermy in there. I think it'd be super cool. That would be coffee and internet member coffee. Yeah. yeah. Coffee, internet, cool taxidermy and a whole bunch of outdoor gear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, cool. uh, so, so yeah, that, and then we've started the podcast now, right? So that's right. Yeah. Have you named that podcast yet? It's boot tracks outdoors. Also boot, boot track outdoors 
podcast and and boot tracks. Sorry, say it again. I think I said I'm saying it. Yeah, right. boot tracks. You said it right. Boot tracks. Yeah, boot yeah. tracks is the website. Bootracksoutdoors.com is the website coming soon. Whenever yep. me and Gil figure out how to get it all together. <laughs> so well, we figure uh, out how to use it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's the, yeah, the podcast I thought went successful over the week, you know, with the help of you and Santino and mm-hmm. we had some great people, man, on, I, I, some of the conversations we had with people were great youth conservation stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think that's important for everybody. Like I, we talked about, I think only, 20% of all the hunters maybe really cared. Everybody cares about conservation, but I meant everybody needs to get in and help. You know, I don't think 20 years from now, it's going to look too good if we don't. Yeah. You know? no, I mean, you're right about the conservation period. Like hunters have to get louder in that aspect for sure. And, yeah. and for reference guys, we, uh, we were at the sportsman's expo here in Denver, Colorado and we ran a podcast out of Gil's booth and it was pretty cool. It was, man, we just had a lot of cool people in there chatting. Yeah. Um, where, so where are you going to house that podcast? Cause they're not out there yet. Are you going to put it on like, you know, start a YouTube channel and put it there or like, what do you yeah, think? Yeah. You know, I think we're going to hit, try to hit all of the, the podcast for uh, Spotify, what, what, Spotify. Uh, iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be called boot tracks uh, podcast. Okay. Right? Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, I like the, we host you and Santino all the time to talk up topics. But remember the main point was I have a lifetime supply of podcast customers here that mm-hmm. like to bring people in to talk about their hunts, you know, tell them about the story. Cause there's always a story in every hunt, man. Which is super cool. Good and bad ones. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. good and bad, but they're all, they're, they're both great. You know, even if it's a bad story, like one got away or whatever, like it's still a cool hunting story. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's really it. Like I said, I, we're really focusing hard on getting the taxidermy stuff done, but on my free time, like I said, I've been really wanting to get this apparel thing going and the boot company going. Yeah. Yeah. What about hunting this year, man? I still haven't put my tags in. You only got a couple of days left. I know. <laughs> my kids are all over the place, man, where they want to go, but I think we got it nailed down. I'm going to probably put them in tonight. Do you want to just give out some coordinates right now over the podcast and where you're going to be hunting? Sure. Um, <laughs> go downtown Denver. There's a couple of parks over there. There's a lot of geese, man. A lot of geese, man. You could, you could limit out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, been wanting to, you know, we talked about doing, I'd like to do a video again because you did a video of Brian myself mm-hmm. earlier in the year or last year last, was last year, year? last year or two years ago so i can't remember I yeah he looks really young on it it's funny i'd like to do another one of those with you you know with one want to hunt together and yeah that'd be great man that'd be super cool whether it be me or you and hunting or our kids hunting either way man I think yeah we're fishing we could do whatever yeah i would be down for all that um i, I gotta get out and do some more fishing this year too i did a little bit last year but just not a ton but Dude, i haven't fun. fished in a while We've been so busy here and then we're busy with baseball, right? Yeah. You're not that like, obviously you stay kind of busy year around with a taxidermy shop because you just have so much to do, mm-hmm. but, but really baseball is what kept you super busy in the summertime, huh? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We got practice tonight too. Yeah. So you guys are listening. Gil's kids plays baseball and he coaches also. So. Yeah. Try to be the dad. Try to be super dad, man. 
<laughs> and they work here at the shop. So. <laughs> you can only do so much, man. You do yeah. good, man. You do good. Thank you. All right, my man. Well, anything else you want to talk about before we let our listeners go? I think we covered a lot until we did next week. Maybe we can think of something else. Yeah. I'm we'll sure we'll do a few podcasts. more. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll be all on your, on your podcast. So. Then I can ask you a lot of questions. That would now be you awesome. can drill me. <laughs> hey man, what? That elk again? Yeah. <laughs> I think that, uh, well, I think we gave some really good gems for people that are maybe don't really know much about the taxidermy world and maybe some good things that you can do on the field to not screw up your cape, you know, bring yeah. it back to taxidermy. They can always call and ask questions, you know. Yeah. You know, this time of year, we, the phones are, when they're ringing, they, you know, people, we get voicemails and call people back because we're so busy. But, uh, you know, send a text message too and say, hey, I want to learn how to, skin can i come by the shop and take a look at the shop see what you guys got going i got a bear hunt coming up at full bore or something mm-hmm. want to come look at your stuff yeah. you got a bear hunt coming up don't you i do i got a bear hunt with those guys in may i'm excited about it man super, i'm super <laughs> especially meeting chris over this weekend dude that guy's oh. nuts man that's yeah, he is <laughs> oh he's a blast that's if you if anybody's looking for a good outfit that's the perfect one to go with man yeah so do you want me to put your cell phone number on the screen here so anybody sure. can call you at any time? Yeah, yeah. Be better if I was joking. Comment, but. <laughs> I was oh, yeah, joking, can, but I can. <laughs> All right. Put it right by that bull I mounted right there. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm gonna I'll link up Gil's stuff here in the so you can call him, message him. If you need a good taxidermist, he's definitely your guy. Um, but just a good dude overall, man. He's helped me out a lot and and me growing in the industry. So I appreciate that. And, um, but I think that's about it, Gil, unless you got some, anything, any burning desires that you want to say right now. What other business could we start? Exactly. Uh, we'll, wait till, we'll wait till next week. <laughs> you let my phone calls every week, don't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so. All right, guys. Well, that is the Western Obsessions TV podcast. This week was with Gil Cordoba and Adventures Wildlife Studio. I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope you learned a little bit of something about taxidermy on this one, and we'll catch you guys next time. This is the Western Obsessions TV podcast, where hunting's not a hobby, it's an obsession. <laughs>